everyone, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie. I'm back on the series of Ignite. Today I've got Abiola on the show and she's an actress, writer, filmmaker and performance artist. Since graduating from Arts Ed London, she's worked around the world with musical theatre, stage, television and film and has also produced her own award-winning content. Abiola is the founder of the Artist Branch, a platform created to give professional artists the tools and resources to encourage creativity and productivity as well as support them sustain uh, a life in the art profession and through the artist branch she leads monthly workshops and webinars she also hosts seminars in training institutions and also offers one-to-one coaching so i'm super excited to talk to her about her journey today and talk a little bit about this platform called the artist branch Hi, Abiola. Welcome to Unplug with Annie. I'm super glad to finally get this opportunity to talk to you. Hi, Annie. Thank you so much for having me. It is wonderful to be here virtually. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to get started by asking you, I mean, I will ask you a bit more about um, the artist branch, which is a platform you've created. But um, first and foremostly, you being an actress and, and having been a writer and a filmmaker and done all of these things, um, when you did set up to create this platform, what was sort of like the, the um, I suppose, that spark for you, which made you want to create it? And was it kind of like this necessity of wanting to exp- ex- express yourself in another in another way or just like not really being satisfied with what acting was giving you? Gosh, um, I think it's come from a number of reasons. I am definitely a curious person by nature. Um, I am always, and it's something I have to really, really kind of make peace with is I'm always looking for more and always searching for more and thinking, okay, well, how can I use more of myself? How can I, how can I be better? How can I um, help people, help more people, but also help myself more and um, I think so if we talk about say from acting to writing for instance I think what was happening was that I was I found myself watching more film I actually um, for a brief period of time just dated someone who was really interested in film and as a result started going to watch loads more films and going to film festivals and these directors would come up on the stage and talk about their films in a way that I'd never heard anyone talk about film before and they'd go into so much detail about how they cast people and the nature of um, the conversations that they were having with people on set and until that time I'd only worked in theatre and really specifically musical theatre where um, especially if you're in a long-running show you're coming in to fill a structure that's already really been outlined and you learn the lines and the songs and then you sort of go into it but the way these directors were talking about film, it was um, these new works all the time that had, you know, come from the heart of a writer. Sometimes the writer was the director and they would speak um, with such depth that I was captivated really. And I thought I'd, I'd never, until that point, never heard um, creativity explored in quite that way. And I finally felt like a part of me had been filled with this notion of 
oh, there's something, this is the more that you could definitely start to explore. So I never, you know, I looked briefly into film schools. I looked into sort of pursuing another, pursuing that professionally through education. But I found that the schools were so, ex the schools were so expensive and I was still, you know, in a really tender stage. And then I was reading these articles that say, should you spend all this money, you know, in film school to begin with when you can just watch more films? So that's what I started doing. Um, and also starting to do more screen acting lessons to actually see if I could get into that environment. And that was a big, that was a long transition. That took about three years to actually get from, you know, being in musicals and saying, I want to be on screen and then getting a screen job, which I was very fortunate that the first screen job I then did get, you know, after about seven, eight months of solid auditioning, but that first screen job was a two year TV show. And so, it could have been, you know, it could have been a guest episode, a couple of episodes, but it happened to be essentially 10 months of screen acting experience. And with that, also learning about production, learning about the different technical elements um, and creative elements of putting a film together. So that then gave me the... Um, it gave me the confidence to then make my own short film, um, which I'd done on really small scales before, but that would be with like myself and one other filmmaker running around parks in London. But I think like a lot of what we do, it takes, it takes having, being in an environment where we're learning from other people to give us more of um, the confidence that we need to try and explore and I know for a lot of artists who are either, whether that's trying to get into theatre, trying to get into screen, they feel like because they don't have that experience or because of other limiting beliefs that have compounded over the years, mm -hmm. they don't deserve to try and enter those fields. And as someone that has once one had those beliefs, but then two, been able to do things like go and work in theatre and then go and work in screen um, in television and film and then go on to write my own things and take them to festivals I know that it is possible because I've done it and when so then when I'd hear whether that's friends or in um, panel discussions or school visits that I'd done and I'd hear people asking um, things, you know, hear people saying things that they just felt they had no confidence or they'd been told by someone else that it was impossible for someone in musical theatre to work in screen. All I could do was stand up and say things like, that's not true because I did it. Mm. And so a lot of, so having those first-hand experiences then led me to say, okay, well, I want to create a platform where I can share I can both share my experience, but also share a lot of the um, literature that I've read in the personal growth and development field mm -hmm. and combine those together to help artists who need to hear that information to be able to 
one, change their thoughts, but then two, work out different actions and strategies and routines and habits to put themselves in the best position for their own careers as well. Wow. So, I mean, it does, it does seem like a reoccurring theme to some degree that everyone who, who kind of is in a space now, I think, where they feel a sense of satisfaction from their craft, especially in the artistry space, have done a lot of self-education like yourself. And, and there seems to be this um, shared passion, I guess, which definitely comes through. Um, so how, what was that like ignition point for you to create the artist branch? And if you can just talk about exactly what it is as a platform. Absolutely. Um, so the artist branch, the name came from the idea that you've got this big tree that is say you, you as an artist and um, that sometimes it does feel like you're just hanging on. <laughs> you know, there's so many, there's so many things that we're hit with as artists, even before we enter this field, whether you feel that because you didn't go to an artistic school or that you're not, you didn't grow up in the right circles, you don't have the right finances. There's so many elements that I, the idea of creating a branch was to have this one thing that artists can always hold on to, which is the control and power that they have as the self. Mm. So it's the work that the resources that I share really are a mixture of things that I picked up in my reading of psychology, but also in philosophy and um, to help. And so I, I share those things to give artists, firstly, that self sense of self-worth and self-esteem because I've in parts been one, but also worked with artists who are, they're working regularly they still struggle with issues, with self-esteem, with low confidence, with the feeling that this job will be their last. These aren't things that um, affect only artists that are looking for work and looking to make full-time careers. These are broad spectrum issues. Mm. I wanted to create a place where artists of all ages, of all mediums and all levels of experience can take these resources and apply them to their own lives. Um, because I'm, you know, one person at the moment that the main ways that I do that are through one-to-one -one coaching with individuals um, that I work, that I do remotely via Skype. And then I also post regular content on my Instagram platform for people who can't um, necessarily afford one-to-one -one work and what I'm working on at the moment is creating a middle ground so that it isn't just the Instagram work or the one-to-one -one coaching that people can um, whether that's a monthly subscription or some some means of getting regular access you know to that information the um as you asked the ignition point well I as a research project I just um, got in touch with some people who had done um, they'd studied the arts and I got in touch with them sort of about 10 years later to kind of, I wanted to ask a series of questions and make an article of it actually to see, my main question was, are the, um, is the arts education actually supporting artists for long-term 
for longevity in their careers. And that was more than what jobs they were getting. It was actually, are they being supported holistically? So I asked a number of questions. I asked, why did you enter the field? Um, what do you think are the main issues affecting the industry? Um, if you could go back, would you do different things? And um, a lot of the answers really, really hit me. Um, a sort of the majority, if not across the board, said the number one issue was mental health. Mm. You know, the number one issue facing that they felt both whether for themselves or people in the industry was mental health. Not, you know, not jobs, which, which also was a factor, but actually just getting through it and staying well mentally. I've had friends who have been very successful and retire in their mid late twenties because they can't, because they, they had to prioritize their mental health. And so I took this information and I said, I can't just write this into an article and then put it out there. This, I, this article might change a bit of things, but it might just shed a light that people say, okay, well, what if, you know, what if it's just because of those people's specific issues? So I, I took this information, I kind of looked inside and said, how can I create more change, like better change that is sensitive to the information that these people have been really vulnerable in sharing, but also, you know, looking at what these people have said and thinking of solutions that I can provide on a scalable, um, in a scalable way to help many more people. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, mental health is something that I think um, is being talked about a lot more than before, but yet it, it's, yeah, it's one of those things that not everyone I guess, likes to talk about or feels confident enough to talk about in person and, you know, has that safety net um, to, to, to be vulnerable and, and talk about how they're really feeling. And I think as artists, you know, especially in this profession, because of the freelance nature of things and the not knowing and the uncertainty which is attached to it, I think that just makes it all the more um, scary, I guess, which is something I can definitely relate to. Um, and 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 therefore like i i just find it interesting to ask what if if through the people you've worked with is do you find that there's a common theme or themes or things that keep coming up um that people tend to talk about or find to be the like real struggle is it just a matter of um feeling confused and overwhelmed or is there a lot more sort of factors involved yeah there's there's there are so many i i think what's interesting is that the most of them come under the umbrella of the value of oneself mm. in that um if someone feels if someone is procrastinating or they're not necessarily being as productive as they could be. You, you do the work and it, you find that deep down it comes from the fact that they don't believe that they're worthy of completing a project and then having the success that could come from that. 
so they don't feel like there's any point in spending any time in it and you wouldn't and you'd never say that person is lazy that person doesn't want it but they're they're fighting with a self that's been created by negative attitudes towards the industry by um by instances and situations where they've experienced rejection Mm-hmm. so it's all these different things that have chipped away at someone's sense of self and that that results in many different things it results in um which say is often the case with my clients they have a lot of creative projects and a lot of ideas and they're afraid to choose one because to choose one is to make a commitment <laughs> and it's very hard, like you said, in, you know, in your question, when you are a freelancer and it's not knowing. And so we do that to ourselves. We say, I don't want to have to decide. So I need to have these 10 options all circling in my head um, because this one's a bit easier. This one's proved more successful for these people. This one's quicker. This one's the one that, you know, would pay off the most. We keep them all there and we think we can do four of them at once and and we haven't. And what I always ask my clients to sort of ask themselves is, has it worked? This mm. doing four at once, how has that worked so far? And I just say, let's just try doing one just because we've never done it. An exercise in curiosity um which is intrinsic to the work of a creative so you know there are there are um prevailing issues like self-confidence like clarity um a lot of these things that i think are outward project outward projections of what they're being fed back by Mm. what by by their experience in the industry yeah yeah no i can absolutely relate to that that makes a lot of sense and i know that having a coach in any uh, you know way or form i think provides a kind of accountability um and i know that you you know you talk about sort of um i suppose turning things into more micro goals as well to make them more doable and doing things like you know just maybe one task a day and I I find that also being a very practical way of approaching goals because I think goals can be super overwhelming um are, are there any other things or any other advice that you can give people listening who might be in that position and just feeling that I think it's such a tricky thing because you as an artist can have multiple talents as well and and be unsure as to sometimes you think um you know that you can do something really great and someone else might point something else out that actually you're better at this other thing you know what I mean yeah yeah I I think um I think it's actually maybe I'll find it but there's an easier way of doing it which is that you can you're allowed to ask people closest to you what they think you're good at you know I think you know if you are working as a professional on Instagram and I've done this before as well you can if you have a business profile you can look at your posts and see which ones get the most engagement 
get the most reception and you and you use that and create more of that content and that is a really great resource because it prompts us to be professionals it prompts us to be business people which we do have to be because once you're deciding to be a professional artist that's where you are you are a bit of a marketer marketing um advisor and a strategist and a publicist and those things definitely shouldn't you know get in the way of your work because eventually you want to be at the place where you're sort of outsourcing that and you are just working on your work and you have someone doing all those things but um whether that's you know asking your audience through searching instagram or asking your family and friends for your highest skills and qualities all the things that you've made in the past that they've really resonated with that can be really helpful in guiding you i think there's a really um there's a sort of pyramid i believe called maslow's hierarchy of needs with the concept it's a psychological concept and you know at the bottom you've got food water homeostasis all the things that keep you alive and you and then you've got think you've got you know security safety then recognition and then at the end you've got the self-actualization the I fulfilled my life's purpose everything is great and I think for a lot of people artists especially because because the nature of the arts and the vocation is that you do feel like it's a calling you're being called to fulfill everything in life so we tackle that we try and tackle that first pyramid first we try and tackle the peak of the pyramid but if we haven't got our basic life in order you know if we haven't worked out a means to earn a regular income even if that's not in your art field even if it's not that is okay and mm -hmm. um, there are so many books there's a wonderful book steal steal like an artist by austin cleon and I think number 10 in his sort of 10 ways to stay creative, he says, don't quit your day job. And he uses himself as an example. And he says he was a web copywriter, I think for a library it was, or maybe freelance, but he was a web copywriter and he didn't quit that job until he'd earned a full-time salary, I think a year's worth, because he had a family. So he didn't, he wasn't going to stop and say, well, I'm going to just stop doing everything and hope, you know, trust that it's going to be from my art. Um, and that is um, something I'd really implore artists, implore artists to do is actually take away the self-actualization for a bit because you can get there. And by not concentrating on it, it's not going to go away. Mm. Um, but there are so many that the foundations for which you'll be able to actually flourish need to be sorted out first. Yeah, no, that, of course, that does make a lot, a lot, a lot of sense. Um, I think inner work is, is definitely something which, which has to be a work in progress. And, but in order to, I think, get to that point of even wanting to do it, there has to be a sense of awareness, which I think a lot of, I think we, we we somewhat innately have but um i think it's just very easy to forget when you're running around in, in the rat race and you're just trying to get from a to b and you have your sight on this big dream and it just seems you know really far away um 
and it's very it's very easy to obviously compare ourselves and and want someone else's success and not really obviously we don't know what their journey looks like at all but you know we're after that fruit at the end of the day um and and sometimes i think maybe not wanting to actually do the work it takes to to really get to that place that we want to so do you find when you're working with people that there's a sense of discovery that you know where where they ask themselves that question is like you know do i really want this because sometimes i think when you start doing the inner work you you might realize that actually <laughs> i don't yeah i mean yeah. It's, it's just that the results definitely look more um, attractive always right yes yes they do it's so funny that you um spoke about you know wanting to do the work because a client of mine yesterday literally was talking about a podcast she'd listened to where th th there was an experiment where <laughs> they discovered that people you know, people wanted the feeling of an athlete's success, but then over the actual process of, of getting it. And for so many people, they say it's, you know, it wasn't about the picture of the mountain, you know, the picture of the view at the end. It was the fact that they couldn't get that picture without having the climb that they did. Mm. I think you do, you do see... I think I have seen a lot of that. I think but it's only because a lot of people haven't got that far. So, you know, to get so far where things actually become actively tough. So not the thinking about it and, yeah. you know, having it and having that really great first wave. It's the okay, a month's gone by, you're about 25% of the way through. You've run out of the, yay, this is going to change my life steam. And you just have to um, put in the work every day. And that's where what I like to use are really um, simple, basic analogies, like brushing your teeth and the actions that you do that are really sub- um unconscious mm. but you would feel them if you didn't do them so if i told you only to brush your teeth once a week you would say that that's not right you know <laughs> that's that i was told to do it twice a day but nice. when but we can't but we don't think Oh, but it's not because brushing my teeth is going to actualize my potential. It's just because I do it every day. So I ask clients, you know, well, can you think of your art in that way? You don't brush your teeth for the masterpiece of white majesty that you're going to have in six months time. You do it because you have to, you just have to do it. And it's not a big deal. It's not, it doesn't become an existential um, crisis it just becomes a little bit of work like washing the dishes um, and so whether that's asking a clients or suggesting that people work for just 10 minutes a day each week and then seeing if they can work for 15 minutes a day there are a lot of 
wonderful books that talk about the routines of creative people. But then when you read something, you say, oh, this person worked for four hours nonstop. Okay, let me try that. And then you do it for two days and you feel so fried. We say, yeah, of course not, because you wouldn't go to the gym for four hours on your first day. No. So there's so many, and I, and I love to, part of my mission is to not make, is to make creativity not so elusive. So it doesn't seem like this unattainable thing for people. Mm. It seems like something that with the same, with the same incrementation and the same um, compassion that you'd approach something else, or you tell a friend to approach something else, Mm. you should apply and you can apply to yourself yeah no so true very very true um i mean another thing i find very interesting is this sort of conflict between i suppose how we as artists find fulfillment and i know that you've also touched upon it in your content about um you know whether it's it is where we're in search of this personal this recognition um in the process and and it's interesting because you know i i've i've come across or met like extremely talented artists in their field and it's just like no one may have really know about them you know they've never had an interview published in a magazine or or you know they might not have a a, a huge following i mean um and i'll give a recent example i i saw tina turner the musical um this just at the end of last at the beginning of this year and um I was just blown away I was literally just mind blown by um the female actress who played Tina and Mm. I even went and I searched about her because I was like I need to find out who this girl is and um you know just extremely and I sent her a message on Instagram I was just like I have to tell you that you were just incredible and it just seems like, and there's, there's so many artists and you just think that even though they've not necessarily got that fame, um, mm. they, they seem to have this sense of satisfaction versus people who seem to just be searching for that recognition. And if that doesn't come in the process, it's like, I'm not successful. Mm. Um, so, so how do we like kind of navigate around that? Is it, is it about making a choice? Is that, does that come down to like personal choice? I think one of the, I think it definitely comes down to personal choice. I think it's a choice to alter the definition of success, to alter, to adapt some of these definitions, um, to make them such that we can go about our lives with inner peace and authenticity and we can work harmoniously. If we are fighting for something that we're not, we haven't fully accepted that actually won't make us happy, not only will the thing not make us happy, but the way that we have to go about that thing will not make us happy. Mm. Um, We have to, we have to accept that. And that's work that can come, you know, by whether that's working with a coach, working with a therapist, working with a counsellor. If you are doing something in a way that feels wrong, it, it feels wrong. You can't deny it. And so I think there are, 
we're so aware of how many people there are in the world because you can have X amount of followers and X amount of likes. You're, you're, we're aware of the scale of um, this. Yeah, we're aware of the scale of our audience. Um, but I've read so many wonderful books and um, listened to the words of different content creators who really also, um, they promote this idea of this, your small audience, your niche audience. Because say you have like a thousand members of your audience, or even let's say, say you have a hundred thousand followers. But if we say like only 10% of them, so one, sorry, 1% of them, 1000 are loyal followers. And say each of those people were to pay 40 pounds a year for your, for you, because that you bring them 40 pounds a year of value, which isn't even that, which really isn't that much. Like it's less than a Netflix, basic Netflix subscription. And I know loads of artists who I think, oh my gosh, I would absolutely pay seven pounds a month for what, you know, the value you give me. That's one person's full-time income and even more, you know? Mm. So there is, there's enough people there. There's enough people in the world that every person that develops their voice and builds a product that's authentic to them, there's enough people in the world that they can have an audience. There, there really is. The, there are a lot of other factors. I, I, say, I say that sentence and it makes it sound like it's very easy. No, it's not. It takes time to build an audience. It takes yeah. consistency. It takes regular, regular on-brand, authentic voice material for your audience. Um, and as you keep releasing and sharing that, you not only build your audience, but you develop confidence in your voice. And that's not because of the people that are liking it. That's because you're just getting stamps on your essentially your loyalty card of creativity because if you if you do one you know you could do one thing every month um sorry you could do one thing every six months and then you've got two pieces that you've done but if you did one thing every day you've got 365 and it's more than the the inner capacity that you've developed for you know the inner capacity you've developed for doing more and doing it regardless of who's looking means that when you someone does stumble upon your account five years later and you've got 1500 pieces of material they see wow i know what this person is about yeah, yeah. think of all the people that say if you think of an, an actor or a musician that you didn't discover until you know, they were in their late thirties yeah. and you think, okay, well they lived their whole life, but they lived it doing things before you'd even seen. So that when you do find them, you think, oh my gosh, look at all they've done. That's what's so cool that you've got all this, all this material to discover because they've been making it regardless. And that's a really useful way for artists to think is, Someone's going to discover you in 10 years time. What do you want them to see? Mm, 
Yeah, that's such a that's such a brilliant point, and I think um, such an important perspective. Actually, um, it's been it's been so good talking to you. Um, <laughs> it, it's so interesting to to hear different perspectives, and I think this series is going to be special to me, like being a creative. Um, so I really hope that people take away a lot of a lot of value, which I think you know is being given from from everyone. So it was so nice. To, to hear about your story and, and thanks for sharing. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been really great to share some of this material. And like you said, I, I hope it does bring value to both you and everyone who watches it. So thank you so much. That was the end of an episode on the series of Ignite. I hope you continue to tune in every Sunday for a brand new episode with a brand new guest. This series is super close to my heart um, being with fellow creatives, so I really hope you enjoy it. Stay updated with everything Unplug with Annie on the website, of course, and the IG page and Facebook page, Unplug with Annie.